this real attitude shift on my part where I started just saying, that's the kind of business I wanted to have. What would the the Sam of that kind of business, what kind of decisions would she be making? How would her day be structured? What kind of nonsense would she be dealing with when she gets this email? Like, would she be replying back to this person who just made a nasty comment on Instagram or she wouldn't have time for that because she probably wouldn't even be looking at it because she'd have somebody who would do that for her, right? And I didn't have anybody at the time. There was nobody working for me or anything. But I just started making that shift of like, I'm just going to start showing up as her. Like, I'm going to start acting more like that because how am I ever going to get closer to it if if I don't start making these little like micro adjustments? And then all of a sudden it was like, boom, you know, it was years, but it, it happened. And so I just think there is something to, to like, treating your business like the business you want it to become and not waiting for it to become something before you actually respect it and protect it. Welcome to Check Your Aesthetic Podcast, the go-to podcast for self-starting creatives. I'm Katie Campbell, the owner of Katie Creative Co., a social media management agency located in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I'm Alexis Aldrich, a Vermont-based content creator focused on promoting productivity that fits your unique lifestyle and growing my career in marketing and creative business strategy. On CYA, you will catch authentic conversations around entrepreneurship, social media, self-care, and the creative industry. If you're looking to grow your online following, boost your productivity, and connect with other ambitious female creatives, then you've come to the right place. Let's get into this week's episode. Hey. 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 How are you? Are we flirting? (laughs) I think so. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Um, Okay, I am taking this time to tell you guys immediately the guest for this episode because I, when I tell you guys that this is one of the best episodes I think that we've ever had, one of the most informational episodes, but not boring, um, I mean it. So today we had Sam Vanderweelen on. She is an attorney turned entrepreneur, a legal educator, a podcast co-host, a speaker. She um, helps coaches and service providers specifically legally protect and grow their businesses. She has legal templates. She has courses. She has a ton of valuable content on her podcast as well as her Instagram. She does like YouTube videos. She has a blog. Like if you need somebody to go to to figure out all of the legal things that you should be doing that you might not be doing, Sam yeah. is your girl, but it's not in an intimidating way. And we love her for that. Yes. And I would say that you guys have been asking. It's almost our two-year – well, actually – when this comes out, it will be past our two-year um, Yeah, just right past. A- and yeah. Podcast Annie. Um, <laughs> not our Annie. Not our Annie. But <laughs> um, you guys have been asking for so long for a lawyer to come on. And mm-hmm. we just said to Sam before she got off the call that we were just waiting to find one that wasn't, like, boring. And yeah. I can genuinely say, like, this episode, it definitely has, like, you're going to want... Katie was literally writing notes as well you can hear me click i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to edit out her don't pen writing okay i'll keep it in leave it um asmr if if you send us the timestamp, we'll pay you four thousand dollars um i'm just kidding Um, but but it's like where's waldo literally i i send them another video if you listen to the an old episode i say that i'll send you a video of me twerking another that's another opportunity for you guys um but she also talked about like mindset stuff it's not just like, this is what an LLC is. Like, it's it's a lot exactly. of, you know, 
how to feel confident and professional in your business and how to um, take it seriously and get started like right from the beginning but also if you have already been you know conducting your business for some time and you're like uh maybe I'm not doing the things that I should be doing then she talks a lot about how to kind of get yourself back on that track which I really yes love and one of my favorite things and something we always look for in guests um but especially when it comes to a topic like this that's very jargony very specific people literally go to three years of school and take a giant exam to learn all of this stuff you know but we look for people who aren't patronizing. We don't want somebody to come yeah. on and be like, I can't believe that if you haven't set up your LLC, like you're what screwed. Are you doing? Like that, yeah. Exactly. That's not the attitude that we that Sam had. And we really appreciate that on this podcast. She, her entire career, you know, her entire business is helping people do these things in an accessible way. Because I think law is something that is very intimidating yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's expensive to hire a lawyer. Learning that stuff is frankly impossible unless you're going yeah, to law school literally you know um and so she was super you know not patronizing which there's got to be a word for that that I can't think of right now but it is an amazing episode and don't be intimidated by the title don't be intimidated by the subject yes. matter this is a really good thing to listen to and you'll you know you'll have some actionable steps but you'll also not feel this sense of urgency like your business is going to blow up and you're going to get sued and you're never going to have any money again right you have time and you know she kind of gives the things that you need to do um but not in a scary way so yes um, we have a crush on Sam now. We love her. We love Sam. Um, I do have a very important life update to oh. tell you that I, I saved specifically for you. I love when you do that. Um, I think I like the color purple now. Okay. That's very important. Um, uh-huh. Which shade are we Which shade are we talking? Well, so I used to kind of be like a purple hater, to be honest. And I kind Me of too. was like scared of people that were like, because purple people are very purple people, if that makes sense. Yes. Like a yellow person is very much intense. And I yes. feel similarly to a purple person. And I wouldn't consider myself a purple person, but I... No longer a purple hater. No longer a purple hater. And I really, truly attribute that to my time becoming... A southern bell in louisiana oh so you actually have enrolled in louisiana state university at this yes time? i have okay. graduated from scad and i am now going to be going back and getting a, to undergrad to undergrad <laughs> i'm moving you out of my get, house i'm no longer you can get a, a turf sciences <laughs> degree like jonah has yes you perfect. can get that perfect because then you'll know a lot of stuff about grass which is always useful you know you have to know about grass when you're a southern bell so obviously. you just have to know yeah but no genuinely, you spend a lot of time barefoot in the grass you know <laughs> down here in the south definitely um no if you guys follow me on instagram you know about my purple lsu shirt because i am quite literally always wearing it and then i yesterday i got my toenails painted the exact same color of that shirt today i am wearing a teddy fresh sweatshirt that has purple on it um i'm just you know accepting my purple like my purpleness is coming through. So, yeah. I've I been, I actually, I wore a purple shirt yesterday because I've been um, shopping for game day, game day looks. Uh, you, I see. Girl, if you want to become a Southern Belle, you better book you a plane ticket down here for a game day. You will not know what's coming for you. You know you what? You will not I, know I, what is coming for you. That is definitely a, a life thing that will have to happen. Girl, it's so fun. Um, so, but... College football has actually already started, but this weekend, this coming weekend, is the first LSU game. I'm not a huge LSU fan, but I'm a medium LSU fan. I'm a huge tailgate fan. Mm. Uh, the games 
Couldn't care less. Tailgates? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm there. Um, but I have been wearing a lot of purple recently because of game day. But when I really started to get rid of my purple haterness was when I got this white and black spotted dog who looks beautiful in lilac. She, yes, she, she looks, looks, looks stunning yes. in lilac. And she whenever I wear whole... my LSU shirt, I'm just matching oh, yeah. room. And you'd be matching. Yep. She has this whole wild one walk kit, which I don't want to hear anything about the fact that she has a wild one walk kit. Keep your mouth shut in the DMs. That's Don't be rude to me. What? It's, was it a poor financial decision? Oh, oh it's like it's expensive. It's, okay, okay, okay. It's like $4 billion. Oh, okay. Um, do, was it a poor financial decision? Yes. Does she look so stunning in her purple walk kit? Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> so she's right over there slaying right now. Um, she just got a new bandana. She got a new LSU Tigers bandana. Um, It's pink and it has tigers on it. We love. Anyway, she looks stunning in purple and that's when I stopped being a purple hater. Um, So I guess neither of us are purple haters anymore and we've spent about four minutes talking about it and that is the content that you come to this podcast for. Obviously, not the legal advice. It's about LSU and the color purple. Uh, Yeah, Um, go Tigers. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, Do you know how we spell go down here? G-A-U. Wait, no. G. Wait, G E A U X. There you go. Yeah, there you go. You're literally so <laughs> <Wow>. southern. <laughs> you are literally so southern. Yeehaw. Anyway, on that note, I guess we should go ahead and get into the meat, the meat and potatoes. Um, oh, <laughs> why'd you make the like meat and, <laughs> meat and taters? <laughs> she made like a hand motion, like she was like holding a cupping, bunch of meat and taters. Yeah. <laughs> um of this episode but alexis unless you have any other super southern things to say i guess we should just go ahead and get into our conversation with sam i mean yeehaw i guess (laughs) let's go (laughs) hi sam thank you so much for coming on the podcast today why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for our listeners who are new to you Hey, Alexis and Katie. Um, thank you so much for having me. I'm Sam Vanderweelen. I'm an attorney turned entrepreneur who helps online coaches, creative service providers learn how to legally protect and grow their online businesses um, using my DIY legal templates, my ultimate bundle program. But really, like I pretty much I feel like my day job is helping people learn how to get paid, make sure they get paid, protecting mm-hmm. their content, knowing what to do in like sticky situations that are keeping them up at night. I would essentially say that that's what I do. But yes, I'm a corporate attorney, or I was a corporate attorney, so I am an attorney. People ask me that all the time. I wouldn't talk <laughs> about this stuff if I wasn't, I swear. Um, and I also had my own health coaching business after I left the law. So I've kind of like walked both sides of this, but ever since 2017, I've been doing the legal template thing and I absolutely love what I do. And I'm so excited to be chatting with you guys. That is so amazing. I feel like the legal side of things is something that both legal and financial, which those kind of dip into each other, is something that's really hard to find accessible content and material on as a small business owner or somebody starting a business. I went to a meeting with um, a business consultant that I've started working with yesterday, and I'm not going to give you guys the details, but there's a lot of things legally that were not quite (laughs) right about my business for a while. Um, And she was like, okay, girl, here's all the things you need to do. And I was like, what is that? What are you? There's more? Yeah. I thought I already did all of it. But on that uh, kind of same vein, there's obviously a lot that goes into setting up your business in a legal way that protects both you and your clients and your assets and all that kind of stuff. So if someone is just starting their business and knows that, like, they want to take it seriously, they want this to be their full-time job, 
what are the legal steps they need to kind of do at the beginning to set themselves up in the right way? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think that you want to think about setting your business's foundation. And what I want you to do too is kind of erase any of those initial like thoughts that might be popping up of like, my business isn't that serious yet, or it's not that profitable yet, or I don't have that many clients. None of that stuff actually matters for in like the eyes of the law. There's no, there's no, like, as I always say, there's no get out of jail free card for like, she only had seven clients or like she only had 50 bucks in her, in her business bank account. So it, that doesn't actually matter for the purposes of the law. Like we have to do certain things in order to set up our businesses and to be legally protected. So first I just kind of want to like clear the timing myth. And from mm-hmm. there, we just want to focus on getting your foundation set. It's really, it is so similar to building a house. Like you really do have to build this like very strong, stable foundation, like make sure all of that stuff is right first. And even though it feels really boring, like we're doing an addition on our house right now, right? And they're doing all the foundation stuff and it's so boring. Like all I want to do is put in like the bathroom and the tile and all the fun things like the website and the branding and all of that, right? We all want to stick to that part and I understand it and I I feel that too, but that stuff will all crumble if we don't have the, the initial foundation. So when we're talking about your legal foundation for your business, we're talking about protecting you as a person, meaning that you're like personal life, your personal assets are not affected by anything that happens in your business. We're also thinking about protecting your business's money. And that, mm-hmm. that, that, by the way, even if you don't have it right now, that you will have eventually, because you've got to set that now in order to protect right. it when you have it. And then the third piece is that we're protecting your boundaries and your energy. I really think those are kind of the three things. So that looks like forming your business, getting business insurance, and then getting whatever contract you need in place. Because forming your business is what's going to protect you as a person. It's going to protect your personal assets. Business insurance is going to protect your business's money and solid contracts and policies are going to protect your energy and your boundaries and your sanity in the long run. Definitely. So something that I am very interested in and something that, I mean, I think that a lot of the time when we're starting, I say we, us as entrepreneurs are starting businesses, it's very intimidating. And like even just the the jargon is like, what am I even doing? So I want to know what is the difference between like an LLC, sole proprietorship, even like a DBA? Um, how do you know what the difference is and like what would be best for your specific situation? Awesome. Yeah. So luckily, this is, I think, my specialty of just kind of breaking this stuff down and I try to make it as like easy as possible. So Basically, when you form your business, you are doing that in the state where you live and work and if you're in America and you're doing that by like filing a bunch of forms and paying a bunch of fees, right, of course. But when you do that, you're picking a business entity to register as. So when you hear people throw around terms like an LLC, a sole proprietorship, a corporation, a partnership, those are all just different kinds of business entity types. Those are just different Mm -hmm. types of businesses that you can register. Essentially, each of them have different, what I would say, like pros and cons. And and that's very subjective. Like what's a pro for me might be a con for you um, based on where you live, based on what you do, like all that kind of stuff. Um, But they also have certain rights, responsibilities, limitations. So every different business type is like might be great for you. It might not be great for me. So really, like all that means is that you're choosing the structure of your business when you choose to become an or you choose to become a sole proprietor, you're choosing what the structure of your business is going to be and deciding on the pros and cons, like which one's best for you and the kind of business that you're starting. So in our kinds of businesses, 
LLCs and sole proprietors are the two most popular types of business entities. So those are the two most popular ways to register your business. Sole proprietorship is the easiest. It's the fastest. It tends to be a bit cheaper. Depending on the state, it can be a lot a bit cheaper, like California. Um, but overall, the thing that you need to know about a sole proprietorship is that if you remember in the beginning, I was saying like the point of registering your business to separate yourself as a person so that we're protecting you as a person and like right. protecting your personal assets. The sole proprietorship doesn't give you any legal protection at all for you as a person. So it's more mm -hmm. of a way of like, hey, I have a business. I'm, I want to capture my business expenses. So I pay less in taxes, which is great. But I'm not actually legally protected by this thing at all. That's yeah. that's what happens when you have a sole, what we call sole prop in the biz. So the LLC was kind of born. It's a different kind of business entity type. So it's still registering a business. You're just saying, like, I want my business to be a, an LLC instead of a sole proprietor. Um, mm -hmm. And it was really born out of this idea of like not being as complicated as a corporation or something a little further along. Um, mm -hmm. But you, they, states created LLCs in order to give people what's called limited personal liability protection. So when you form mm -hmm. an LLC, you do actually separate yourself from the business. So the LLC give, like affords you some of that legal protection so that let's say your business got sued, God forbid, or there's like a debt or a liability of the business. It doesn't mean that that's yours right and oftentimes yeah. people will say like well what's the big deal i don't have any money like come at me <laughs> you know like i don't care and it's right, unfortunately yeah. that's not how it works in america so if you don't have money they still come after you they so like then they we care. talk about things like liens you know so right. yeah. you do have to actually be um i don't want to say concerned about it but it's something to be aware of and just like we talked about in the beginning like not having a lot of money doesn't mean you don't need to register your business. And the mm -hmm. same goes for not needing to become an LLC. Like it's, we're also protecting your future. Like I really, I want people to think not about legally protecting what you have at this moment, but what you're building towards. And I think that a lot yeah. of people often make the mistake of thinking about what I need right this second versus like, if you start acting like the business you're becoming, the CEO you're kind of like headed towards, what does that kind of business need? What kind of legal protection does that business need? Right. Yeah. And as far as I understand, which is not very far, um, with an LLC or the difference, I guess, to kind of break it down even further is I believe that when you're filing like your taxes as a sole proprietorship, your like tax number is your social. Like that's mm. you, that, you know, kind of depending on I, I believe depending on the state. But, you know, an LLC gives you this like separate, you know, like tax identification yeah. number. Um, but I do have a question. So is this, and this might not be a legal thing. It might be more of a financial thing, but does this kind of play into like when you're filing for bankruptcy for your business, like how your business is like this completely separate thing from you. So if you have like these debts, you file for bankruptcy, like all of that stuff is kind of separate from if you owe a bunch of money and you don't have an LLC, then okay, sorry, you can't file for bankruptcy as a person. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, okay. So this is such a good question. I, I first want to go back to what you said about the taxes thing. So when you file your taxes, you are taxed the same as a sole proprietor as you are if you're owning an LLC by yourself, mm -hmm. what we call single member LLC. 
Um, and so you're, it's, it's passed through taxation. We can like get into it if you really want, but essentially you're just reporting what your profits are on your individual tax return. That's all you do yeah. in both scenarios. In both scenarios, you can file with the IRS for a free EIN number. So it's an employer identification number, which is kind of like what you were talking about, Katie, where it gives you this like separate number to associate mm-hmm. so that you're not using your social for everything. You can get that whether or not you have a sole proprietorship or an LLC. Um, however, it just doesn't really mean oh. anything if you're a sole proprietor because you're right. still just, just a person. Gonna, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really the LLC, like the entity itself that provides you with this legal protection. But in either scenario, you're still reporting all of the business's profits as your personal income. So what okay. I always tell people is to like mentally substitute it for like the paycheck you would have gotten at work, like how you would have reported that. That's just how you report your your profits when you're an okay. LLC. Until you become an S-corp, that's when it changes. And that's like down okay. the line, making a lot of profits. Right. And that's when things really shift. Um, but in the beginning, like just starting out, that's that part. And then to your bankruptcy comment too, that this is what I'm always telling people too, that like obviously we never – you know, we never want it to go this way. But yes, planning yeah. out like worst case scenario, to be honest, the worst thing that could happen if you had like a devastating, if you set things up correctly, the way that I'm talking about, the in the most devastating scenario, the quote unquote worst case scenario is that your business shuts down and that's it. And then you pop open a new business. I mean, businessmen right. do this yeah. every single day. And so yeah, <laughs> right. this is like yeah. a thing, right? And this is what people do. But what we don't want to have happen is that something happens in your business that's financially devastating and that's your problem as a person. Right. Like, it's affecting you. Your house, your car, your joint bank accounts. Like a lot of people don't yeah. know if like your name and a partner's name is on a bank account. That's fair game if you're not protecting it properly. So that's why we want to get this stuff in place. Okay, I have another question. So um, I don't do this anymore, but a couple years ago, I did... um, This is going to be bad. (laughs) No, it's not. It's not. Um, Okay, good. No, it's about my business that I no longer do because I didn't like it. Um, (laughs) So um, I sold, like, shirts and, like, stickers and whatever. Um, And I went to the bank and had like an advisor convince me that I didn't need an LLC Mm. and that I should be a sole proprietor but then have a DBA as Alexis Adams Co. And like when I was researching it, I was like, I I feel like this is just giving me a fancy title and that's really it. And but I was like, I don't know what I'm talking about. So I'll just do whatever the lady tells me to do. And like looking back, I think I don't know if that was the smartest decision, but it also could have been. But I want to get your your opinion on that. Yeah, well, you do know what you're talking about, Alexis. A, (laughs) you're welcome. Uh, B, I wish people would just stay in their lane and like, if you do money stuff, talk about money. If you, you know, whatever. It's like, it's like if you go to like your doctor, don't take like construction advice from them. That's kind of like how I feel. It's like everybody do your thing. Um, I feel like half my job is like cleaning up bad advice that like financial advisors give and CPAs give and all these people. So, um, okay. This is a really good question because a lot of people confuse a DBA with a type of business entity. So a DBA Mm -hmm. is something you only file after you've got a business entity. So after you would file sole proper, after you file an LLC, um, you can then turn around and ask for a DBA. So DBA stands for doing business as some states call it a fictitious name, an alternate name. Like everybody, every state has something different. Mm-hmm. Essentially what mm-hmm. it is, is just that it's like you want to be known as something different in your marketing than what your more corporate sounding, uh, like legal name is. So right. uh, the example I always give is like targets, actual corporate name is target brands, Inc. 
right? But when we go to their mm-hmm. stores and we go on their website, nobody's seeing Target Brands Inc. anywhere, and that would be really boring on a logo. So they have a DBA as Target, right? And so mm-hmm. that makes sense. So we it's kind of like the legal way to connect a marketing name to the legal entity, because if you still want to get that protection from the business that you formed, like in an LLC example, you can't then go around like if we if we formed an LLC called like Sam's Amazing Cupcakes LLC, I can't just go around calling myself Sam's Cupcakes and then be like, well, of course, everybody should have known that it's really this LLC. We have to have some kind of like formal way to connect the two. So a DBA is just a way of you like taking the formal step of saying, I'm going to go as Sam's Cupcakes. But really, Sam's Cupcakes is just a way for me to be known as Sam's Amazing Cupcakes LLC. And so it's just that connection so that now let's say Sam's Cupcakes, you know, someone ate my cupcake and they got horribly sick and then they sued me then when they sue me i get to still put it under that llc that protection i still get to have that even though they didn't even yeah. know i had it yeah right that's so so, okay. for, so for example like we have check your aesthetic podcast llc yep. so it would be just like check your aesthetic or a check your aesthetic podcast yep. it would be a way for you cool. to go as like a different name in your branding um you know a lot of people will ask me if they need a dba if they have like um if they have like a domain name that's different because sometimes you can't get like the domain name you don't need that that's not what we're talking about it's more like you know what's like on the header of your website that's what i always say to people like mm-hmm. what's on the header of your website what's on the yep. header of like your instagram what's on your business card like if you're going as something yeah. anything literally that's different and also by the way i'm ta- and i'm gonna be like the annoying lawyer for a second i'm even talking about people who just drop what we call the moniker so like if you just drop the llc because you just don't want to use that that means you have to form a DBA without the LLC in it. Right. So that I'm way you're literally writing on my to-do list. Yeah. <laughs> it's very easy. Um, so I have good news for everyone. It's very, very easy. You can definitely do it yourself. Um, something to be aware of is that in some states in America, not most, but some, they actually require that you form a DBA within like a certain time period after you file for the LLC. LLC. Other yep. states are That's like, Vermont you too, can do it whenever. Yeah. And, yep. and in many, many states, you could have many, many, many DBAs. So one thing that people will do sometimes is like, you know, let's say like I had the health coaching business, for example, when I first left the law and I formed an LLC, I could have technically formed like a DBA to go as something different with my legal business um, if I didn't want to redo it. But for me, it was so Mm -hmm. it was such a different business and I knew I was shutting it down that I like shut it down and started something new. But that is an option. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have another question on this um, kind of, it it might be related. It might not be, but where do trademarks and things like that fit into all of this? Because obviously trademark, when you trademark something, you're saying, this is my thing. This is the name that it has. You can't take it. So where does that kind of fit in with like DBA and LLC? Yeah. So you can trademark your business name if it's, if you know, if it qualifies as a trademark, like it has to be unique. Like I couldn't trademark Sam Vanderweelen, like it's just a name, Um, but it can't be like generic and descriptive and all this kind of stuff. But if you had a like cool name, like check your aesthetic or something like you can (laughs) trademark that. Um, You can also trademark the names of programs. So if you have popular programs, I mean, Mm -hmm. you can trademark your logo. I this is maybe an unpopular opinion. I just don't see like in our businesses. I don't really see what the like we're not like Nike. Nobody's like stealing my logo to put it on their like shirt or something. I don't know Um, if if I made physical products, I, I would do that. But without like physical products or something. Yeah, maybe like digital commerce. Um, you can also trademark taglines as well. So like the little Hmm. phrases and slogans that go beneath your stuff. Um, 
So yeah, you can do all of that. I mean, I encourage people to kind of find what their bread and butter is, not allow this, like the trademark process to get in the way of moving your business forward. Because I think a lot of people confuse trademarks with patents and, and patents, you hear these right. like, crazy stories about it's like a race to file for the patent because like whoever files first wins, even if I invented it first. If you filed a patent first, you win. Um, but with trademarks, you actually, it's whoever's been using it the longest. So if when you go to file your trademark, for example, and you were going to trademark your podcast name or you're going to trademark your business name, you tell the USPTO when you've been using this trademark since. So it, you could file it today and say you've been using it to, since 2018. Um, and so you get backdated protection from that. Mm. But obviously you don't, don't want to wait forever. I just don't want people... Like I get emails from people who haven't even started a business or still super early on. They're like, I'm not starting my business until I trademark my logo. And I'm like, oh, no, please don't do that. Like, yeah, Yeah. just like we got to get this stuff started and you can do that. Also, it takes like over a year to get the process approved. So I definitely don't want anybody waiting for that. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I personally, I have my business name trademarked. I don't. At the time, I felt like it was really important, and now I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it feels good, I'm, but it's not I'm always like a, so I, I guess. Yeah. But um, so, like, that was a choice. Literally, I had my trademark before I had my LLC. Yeah. Nobody tell nobody tell anybody that. That's a secret. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> um, okay. So let's move on to something that I feel like a ton of people have questions about that is probably one of the scariest things in a business like ours where we're providing services, mm-hmm. um, contracts. So obviously, a lot of service providers, content creators, you know, people that are working with clients or working for businesses are dealing with a lot of contracts um, and agreements. So what are some of your must-have inclusions, just in general, you don't have to talk about obviously the specific legal language, but like, what are the things that you include in a contract, the protections that you feel like are super necessary in a contract? Yeah, there are many. And I'm glad I don't have to read a contract because I just had this like flash of like how I could have a podcast where I read a contract and like put people to sleep. Like it would be like, (laughs) one of those like sleep (laughs) meditations and be like yeah I was like that's a good idea um anyway so um the I think that the most important thing about contracts are first of all that they're professionally drafted and written because one of the things I see happen the most when people try to put them together themselves they end up taking like a very kitchen sink approach and in doing so you kind of shoot yourself in the foot because you end up including all of this stuff first of all that's unnecessary which is always a red flag to lawyers or judges who are reviewing contracts they don't seem as legitimate um Mm -hmm. but also they include contradictory information so like people have come to me before who had their own thing and it's like this paragraph completely care like cancels out this paragraph so it made no sense but that because Mm -hmm. people don't know what it says understandably it's all like legal gobbledygook um they include the whole thing so first is like professionally drafted second thing I think is that it's very clear as to the, the basics, like the who, what, where, when, how, right? Mm-hmm. So with services in particular, it's really important that we're super clear about what's being provided and what's not. So that's kind of what I focus on the most in my legal contract templates that I that I offer. It's because I want you to really like spell out every single thing that you're doing and how you're doing it, right? So I push yeah. people like in these templates to be like, okay, so you have six calls are available. How are yeah. the calls offered? Are they on Zoom or are they phone? When are they yeah. offered? How frequently mm-hmm. are they offered? You know, all this kind of stuff. And then... 
I would say that the the final piece of contracts, um, and this is like the mindset that's like screwed me up for the rest of my life after going to law school, is that you know lawyers are taught to think of like what goes wrong, right? What what if something goes wrong? And right. so essentially, the other pieces of your contract are exit scenarios, as I call them, um, and like oh shit scenarios. Like that's essentially mm-hmm. what they are. So like yeah. if somebody messes up, if something's not delivered properly, if the client's upset, if you're upset, because we also want you to be able to get out of it if you need to um it's a lot of that and then like what happens as a result of those things happening mm-hmm. yeah 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 I, that's I, a really good point i want to talk about the opposite side of it so that's kind of like if i and i, I keep thinking of katie because she's a social media manager freelance so she's providing a client with a contract and they go over it but then on the opposite side a lot of the time with a content creator you're receiving a Mm. contract and it's like this long thing and you're like what even the hell is this so if you're on that side of it and you're being provided like I don't know with like a large company like NBC it's very intimidating so what would the things to kind of like look out for be yeah this is one of my favorite this is one of the most popular trainings inside my ultimate bundle actually I have a training in there about like how to review contracts that people send to you and people Mm. really like the stuff so I same thing it's very similar like when you review the contract first of all you want to make sure that it properly captures what you thought like the deal was what they kind of said to you yeah like does this really mean it and what I want you to do too is I want you to look to see if there's a paragraph in there and a heading called entire agreement because whenever you see an entire agreement clause what that means is that that contract that you're looking at that's it that's the end of the line that's the the bible Mm -hmm. for this situation if the guy told you an email or on the phone or in zoom something different than what you see do not sign the contract being like well i know it says this here but he told me on zoom you know that because Uh. if there's an entire agreement clause what it means is that that contract stands and it literally cancels out anything else that was talked about so if it's inconsistent you want to be like hey could you change that right um so that's really important it's also why i like keep notes like i have in like asana when i have like important calls or meetings i keep little notes from our calls because then when i get the contract i'm like hey you guys said this you know but this is that Mm -hmm. so that's Mm -hmm. really important um I guess depending on what the contract was for, I, for one, would review to see like what the deal is with ownership of intellectual property. So if you were creating content, for example, I would want to know like who owns this? How long do they own it? How can they use it? Because we're yeah. now getting into your likeness where things could be used for years and years after, you know, like I, I, I know I have customers who have said like they've seen their content turned into Facebook ads and they know now that the company's using those Facebook ads to make a lot of money. They got paid like 250 bucks like years ago right. and they didn't know right so it's just something to be aware of and yeah. last but not least yeah the exit strategies like I always look to see like okay if this goes totally belly up like how do I get out of it how can they get out of it is it equal mm-hmm. can I ask for better protection for myself if this doesn't go well yeah and I feel like in my experience I've sent and received contracts and when you're the one sending the contract mm-hmm. it will like the person who's sending it it's always going to favor them Like, that's just kind of how contracts are written. Like, especially when you're working with, like, a larger company, um, you're usually going to get a good example of a contract that I received recently was, I'm not going to give too many details, but the, you know, I don't know what exactly the section's called, but it was like, if something goes wrong, we will dispute it in court here. Oh, an arbitration clause. Yes, mm-hmm. and it was where where they were located, which is a totally different country yep. than where I am. And my dad was like, okay, let's try to change that. Yep. They wouldn't, but he was like, 
the best case scenario for that is you don't put that in there at all because everybody's going to want it where they are. Yeah. So then just, you know, either agree on one place or have it nowhere. Just don't, you know, have it be nowhere. Yeah, it's actually a really important, like, contract principle to talk about because this ends up um, screwing a lot of people over without them knowing about it. So there there are, like, three important clauses to look for in a contract. Um, One is the venue clause, another is the choice of law, and then the arbitration clause. So the venue clause says where you can get sued, like, in what state and what court. The choice of law Mm -hmm. clause says which state's law is going to apply, which can be really important because maybe the person you're working with in a different state has more stringent laws against, like, what you're doing and it's not going to favor you and then the arbitration clause is what you were talking about it's going to say like if there's a dispute over this contract it has to go by law it has to go to arbitration before it would go to court now that saves money it's it's a good money saving thing the problem with arbitrations it heavily heavily favors businesses so uh it's in in like it tends to so it's just something to keep in mind um and it can also be binding arbitration which means that whatever you know decision is found at the arbitration is like gospel and it's over and that cannot always be a great situation for you um so those are three things to look over and also to consider having in your own contracts because i had a customer who didn't even have it in her own contracts before she came to me or got my templates and she got sued by her client like 2,000 miles away from where she lived so wow. now that means you hire a lawyer in their state you, that in, in her case it was Florida law which was way worse for her than if she would have been able to apply her own state's law and it was costing her a ton of money she had to travel there for a deposition it's like a whole yeah. thing yeah. so we don't want to do that yeah that's mm-hmm. a very good point. And that's something that I feel like you just, until you hear someone say to look for it, w- usually when you get a contract, I feel like you just look to see, oh, okay, like the basics, like are, the work that I said I was going to do, you know, things like that. But you don't think about that, like worst case scenario and yeah. the difference that's going to make for you, which I think is really important and something that um, I've learned through my dad. And now all of you know, yeah. we're listening. I know. So good for you. <laughs> I, never, I never wanted people to, to feel like they had to be a lawyer like I, I just remember thinking mm-hmm. like when I started I was so overwhelmed by like what the heck is a landing page what's an email list like I don't understand do I have a yeah. list somewhere like I didn't I didn't understand yeah. all of this stuff and I was so overwhelmed by all the like marketing you know online mm-hmm. business side that you know I was like boy thank goodness I know all the legal stuff because this would be like so much and then people write to me all the time and they're like I'm so frustrated I'm so ashamed that I can't put this contract together I'm like why would you be able to put a contract together if you're not a lawyer like it's okay right I feel like just if you can if you get anything from this episode just like release yourself from that and I don't think you're ever going to be like fully confident in a put together yourself contract until you just get the like real thing and just get it over with um because I've only even mentioned like a handful of these little like paragraphs and there are, are you know many others yeah I feel like that's something that it's it's you know you can kind of teach yourself like copywriting you can teach Mm -hmm. yourself kind of like seo but contracts i feel like is something that you really unless you're someone like katie whose dad you know is a lawyer you really i didn't teach myself well you didn't teach yourself but you have (laughs) someone readily available that you don't exactly i could have never done it yeah exactly so even though your outsourcing is free you're still outsourcing but yeah i like how you talked about like the the overwhelming feeling so and i I just know because thankfully I'm not selling products anymore, but if I was, I'd be like, holy shit, what the hell? So if any of our listeners is kind of, are kind of listening to this feeling like, what am I even supposed to do? What would you say are the steps that they can take like right now to 
get on track with the legal side of their business. Yeah, I would say first and foremost, if you haven't registered your business, like that's the action step I would take after listening to this episode, because without forming your business, you don't really have a business. So let's be honest. So we have to do that. And then if we do it properly, we're legally protecting you in the process. If you for some reason either are already a sole proprietor or need to become one to start out, if that's just what the situation that you're in, I just want everyone to know you can convert Um, you can like upgrade later to an LLC. So that is a possibility. Um, So all is not lost. Don't worry. Um, And so I would say if you've already formed your business, but then you're hearing us talk about this other stuff today and you don't have like a legit contract, I would say whatever way you're working with people, like if your one-to-one service is like the most popular thing that you do, make sure you get that. If you sell like a course or something, like I offer like terms of use contracts for that kind of thing. If you sell products, like get terms at checkout, like whatever the main thing is that you do, Mm -hmm. just focus Mm -hmm. on that. Sometimes we let ourselves kind of build this up like bigger and bigger and bigger instead of just tackling like what's right in front of us right now. So I would keep it super basic with registration, whatever contract or policy you need right now for what you're selling at this very moment. Um, And if you haven't explored business insurance yet and you're providing services, that is something I would get in place. It's very easy to get in place. um, And it will just be like a huge, I think, stress lift off of you as well. Also, go follow Sam. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, really. And listen to her podcast. Um, But yeah, I actually have a question about business insurance. So Mm -hmm. can you just kind of talk about what that like how that protects you the benefits of that um the kind of person who should have that and maybe your recommendations for some good places to start with that yeah sure so business insurance is what financially protects your business because if your business gets sued um or even threatened to be sued even if you just got a nasty letter from like somebody's lawyer like a client's lawyer or something like this yeah you if you have business insurance your business insurance provides you with an attorney They pay that attorney's Mm. fees, the hourly fees, which Katie, I'm sure you know, is very expensive. Um, And then if, let's say, there was like a settlement out of that complaint or there was or if you lost a lawsuit or whatever, they pay for that. What the judgment or the settlement that's found against your business Um, minus, of course, whatever your deductible is just like car insurance or whatever. You need to know what your deductible is because that's the amount that you're responsible for. Um, Mm -hmm. but business insurance is what financially protects your business. That's how, that's how I can like best simply put it. Um, and there are many different kinds of business insurance. So a lot of times people will be like, I don't know if I have business insurance because I have professional liability insurance. I'm like, that's just a kind of business insurance. There are like 10. Um, but the kinds that we use the most are professional liability insurance. It's otherwise known as errors and omissions or E&O. You'll sometimes hear people call it E&O insurance. It's the same thing as professional liability Um, And then sometimes people will get commercial general liability insurance if they um, have like if they see people in person, they offer like classes, Uh stuff like that. So you want to talk to a business insurance agent. Um, you, I don't really have it like inside of my like products. I have like recommendations for specific people I've worked with, but, but like, if you just know someone nearby or, you know, somebody who owns a business near you, you could ask them like, who'd you get your business insurance through? I always recommend Mm -hmm. going to a broker if you can, because brokers can, um, go find you a policy from many different business insurance companies, as opposed to like, you know, if you just go to like Geico and say, Hey, I want this policy. All they can do is give you theirs, um, which might be fine. But I just like the idea of shopping around a little bit. Um, and what I want you to look for, um, once you've talked to the, to this business insurance agent and you've told them 
like what you do, how you work with people. That's probably even more important. Like, is it all mm -hmm. virtual? Do you put like your hands on people? Like if you're doing like classes in person, you're like, uh -huh. you know, like manipulating people. Um, you need to be telling, you know, tell them that. Um, yeah. So once you tell them all that and they tell you what kind of business insurance you need, they're going to send you back policies to review. And so what mm -hmm. I want you to look for is what is the deductible? Because that's the amount that you're going to be responsible for. What's the premium? Because that's the annual rate, you know, you're going to pay for carrying this insurance, which is a business expense, of course. And you're also wanting to look at what the policy limits are, because that's the amount of money that they'll pay up to. So usually yeah. it's like a million dollars and then 10 million in the aggregate. So that means that if you got sued for up to a million dollars, they paid for that. If it was like seven million dollars or whatever, they might not pay for that. So that's that's what you need to know, essentially, from reviewing those policies. Dang, I got a long to-do list today. Um, okay, let's talk about some mindset stuff, so a little bit less concrete. So we talked earlier um, about kind of how protecting your business legally helps you set boundaries. So what is kind of like the mindset side of that um, and kind of the shift that comes along with, you know, setting up your business seriously, setting those boundaries um, you know, just kind of the, the more lofty mindset side of all of this. Yeah, I I wouldn't have believed this, honestly, until now I have like t tens of thousands of customers. So I've had the like, I've had the luxury of being able to watch this in real time of seeing people who were really afraid to like promote themselves, promote their businesses, like be on social media, emailing out their list, building an email list, like doing all those things to feeling really confident to put things out there and much more like I'm allowed to talk about this now because like I know yeah. that I've done what I could to protect myself. So right. I have seen a lot of growth from it. Um, one of my customers, Lauren, calls it the legally legit glow up, which I think is um, like a good way of describing it because, you know, sometimes I felt this way after like investing in a program or buying something new for my business or the first time I hired an employee. It was like I felt so like invigorated to be like, hey, this is a serious business and I'm doing yeah. this, you know. Um, and I think that I think like there is something to acting more professional, like you look that way on the outside. But I also think you're going to embody that as a business owner. Um, and I would also just share that, like, personally, I feel like something that really shifted for me when I started the business. And it was, you know, after a couple of years, it was like a six figure business. I feel like what shifted it into going into a, like a multi seven figure business other than a lot of time and, and hard work and all these kinds of things was like this real attitude shift on my part where I started just saying what like so that's the kind of business I wanted to have I didn't really think it was possible for me to do it but I was like that's the right. kind of business I wanted to have what would the the Sam of that kind of business what kind of decisions would she be making how would yeah. her day be structured what kind of nonsense would she be dealing with when she gets this yeah. email like would she be replying back to this person who just made a nasty comment on Instagram or she wouldn't have time for that because she probably wouldn't even be looking at it because she'd have somebody who would do that for her, right? And I yeah. didn't have anybody at the time. There was nobody working for me or anything. But I just started making that shift of like, I'm just going to start showing up as her. Like, I'm going to start acting more like that because how am I ever going to get closer to it if if I don't start making these little, like, micro adjustments? And then all of a sudden Absolutely. it was like, boom, you know, it was years, but it, it happened. And so I just think there is something to, to like – treating your business like the business you want it to become and not waiting totally. for it to become something before you actually respect it and protect it. I completely agree. I think we had at the very beginning of the year, we had a CPA on and she talked also about like, if you're not setting up these like, you know, tax stuff, 
you're kind of telling yourself in a way like oh this is just gonna be a hobby and this is only gonna go so far whereas if you set these things up now it's almost holding yourself accountable also that no I have I'm gonna actually do this which I I really appreciate and I think is important as a small business owner and someone that's you know doing things yourself it's important to keep yourself motivated but Mm -hmm. I also I love how you said you said the word like professionally and that, you know, carrying yourself professionally helps your own men- mindset. But how do you think that this kind of way of conducting your business translates to the, I guess, like corporations, people, businesses that you're working with? Yeah, I see it in real time all the time. I've had people who have um, bought my products because somebody refused to work with them because they didn't have a contract. Because, you know, really? some of the people who are my customers are like trying to go to, you know, big companies to give talks or to like do workshops, lunchtime workshops, like all of this kind of stuff. Or they've had clients who, it's so funny because a lot of people will come to me after like, let's say they're a health coach, but one of the clients who, you know, they were trying to onboard was a lawyer and was like, you don't have a contract? Like, that's not cool. <laughs> I think actually yeah. is a something that's like really important for everyone to understand um, that I think has been like lost somewhere in the, in the legal side of things and especially in online business. We tend to, you know, we're human beings, we have egos, and we just tend to think about things from our perspective and like how things affect us and like, how does this, what is this about me, right? But I think what oftentimes people forget in that process, because we're so freaked out about like, are we going to get paid? Is someone going to steal our stuff? Is that the other person on the other end of this contract is afraid that you're some person on Instagram who might not show up to your calls and like they're going to hand over $2,000 to you and you don't show up. And so I don't often think that people realize like, Yes, contracts, you're right. Totally right, Katie. Like contracts are written from one perspective and they always advantage the person who sends it. But in general, it also is a binding agreement that holds both parties accountable. And exactly. so like they're freaked out too. And I, I think that sometimes mm. we get lost because like we're so in this world that we don't forget like we are just people with podcasts and Instagram and whatever. And people are a little worried <laughs> right. of like, is she going to show up to this thing? So I yeah. think I think that's important to keep in mind. Absolutely. And especially something that I've noticed from work that I've done, like content creation for brands is a lot of times, you know, service providers, a lot of times you're paying for the service before. That's usually how it works. Um, Or, you know, half before, half after, however people do it. But a lot of times when you're creating content for a brand, you don't get paid until a pretty long time after. You don't get paid till their next pay cycle or you don't get paid till their next whatever. And so having that contract gives you the peace of mind. Okay, I'm going to be paid. Like I will be paid even though, you know, it might not be beforehand. Um, It obviously feels more comfortable to have the money in your account before you do something. But that contract does protect you as well, which I feel is really important. Um, Okay, so to kind of close off the interview section of this episode. Um, So somebody's listening to this and they're just very overwhelmed by handling the legal side of their business alone. Um, They're like, okay, this is something that I would like to outsource. What do you think they should look for in a lawyer to outsource? Obviously, there's a ton of different kinds of law that people practice. There's just so many options and a lot of jargon. So kind of what's your advice if somebody wants to outsource their um, legal side of their business? Totally. I, I think if you want help with legal services, like if you want someone to do something for you, like you want someone to register your business, you want to pay mm-hmm. somebody to draft you a contract from scratch, which can be very pricey. But like, if you can do that, that's, that's always the best route. Like I tell people that and yeah. I sell contract templates. If you can swing that, go for it. So what I say is like, go to a small business attorney that's near, relatively near you or in your state, at least so that things yeah. are going to be done from your perspective. Um, I always think that that's best. And I like the idea of trying to work with somebody who, you know, 
if they don't already understand what you do, they can try to understand what you do. Um, another approach that's, I guess, a bit more budget friendly is that people try to kind of marry the two between like, you know, the reason I created my business was to be more approachable and accessible to people. And so giving, you know, I offer contract templates that are like downloadable and you fill in just yeah. your name and like the price of your services and stuff like that. And then if you wanted to, you can take that to a local lawyer near you and pay a lot less mm -hmm. money and have them quickly mm -hmm. review it for you. Because with lawyers, you're paying by the hour. So in mm -hmm. either scenario, you want to know what the lawyer's hourly rate is. Um, I would always recommend asking if they would actually be the person working on your file or if they're going to pass it off to like a younger associate or even a paralegal um, and what their rates are. That's really important to know. And then if they require a retainer, which is an amount of money you pay up front. So like maybe it's $2,500 or something. And then they draw upon that retainer. So like if their hourly rate is $300 an hour, every time they work on your file, they're just going to like draw from that $2,500. So you would want to know what their hourly rate is and what the retainer amount required is for that kind of thing. And you can also ask if they do flat fee arrangements so if they like register your business you can say can you do that as flat fee meaning you just pay like let's say it was five hundred dollars you would just pay five hundred dollars for them to register your business regardless of how many hours it actually took them okay i said this was the last question but now i have a follow-up are there <laughs> any like red flags of you know because i feel like there's a lot of um the thing that's coming to my mind that I don't really have much liberty to speak on because I have no experience with it is like payday loans, like things like mm. that that are like just a little sketchy. Is there any sort of like sketchy lawyer situation that you should be like, oh, this person might be a little shady and might not really be, you know, they're super cheap or like, they're, you know, things like that. Yeah, it's yeah, super cheap always makes me a little nervous because lawyers, yeah. um, there's not many times that the word cheap tends to go like hand hand with lawyers. <laughs> right. So you're like, oh, that doesn't make, what's no, happening yeah. here? Like, are you really a lawyer? Um, yeah. So that would be one thing. Yeah, that would be a red flag. Yeah, are they a lawyer? Yeah, like yeah. maybe not. Um, by the way, you can always look that up on any state's website. If you type mm, in yeah. uh, like California attorney search and then you put in the attorney's name, it will come up and tell you like their bar ID number, whether they're active, if there's some sort of like mm -hmm. terrible thing against them um yeah. so that might be a good idea too but um i would say like somebody who's a bit too much of a jack of all trades i that always freaks me out like somebody who's doing like dui law and criminal law and corporate law yeah. but also register your yeah. business and help you with mm. your real estate closing i'm a little like right. i don't know they tend to be really busy um so that's i would like personally prioritize communication because i think okay. that it makes a lot of sense to me that you're stressed and overwhelmed and anxious about this process and if you it's, there's nothing more frustrating than like than not being able to get a hold of an attorney or like something like that. And you're also getting charged for all that, like every time you're trying to communicate with them. So somebody who's yeah. like off the bat bad with communication, like that would freak me out too. Okay. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Okay. So moving on to the things that don't have to do with the law. Um, today's <laughs> random question. <laughs> okay. So the random question for today is, all right, POV. You walk into a store and you find a shirt you like and they have it in every single color of the rainbow. Which color are you gravitating towards? Sam, you can start. Okay. I don't know what you would call this, but I feel to have, like, I've fallen into this, like, Parisian teal kind of, like, <laughs> light green with some Parisian mm -hmm. teal mm -hmm. situation mm -hmm. color lately. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's actually one of my brand colors, funny enough, but that's, like, I just looked at my closet the other day and I was like, I think I might have taken this a little <laughs> yeah, too there's far. There's a lot going on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. I love that. <laughs> Alexis? Um anything blue pretty much my engagement yep. ring is blue and then I have blue my water bottle is blue I pretty much and oh my 
it's literally stuck to my desk but my like mouse pad is blue like it's not even really my favorite color but it's just always weirdly just what I gravitate towards I think because my eyes are blue so I'm like there you go yeah Katie's thing um mine kind of teeters between like a tan I love a a good tan like I just I like tan clothes uh, tan would never be actually I would say tan is my favorite color everything on my website your tan. literal entire Instagram aesthetic is tan so yeah. um but also this is kind of a seasonal thing but I am known to have a lot of pink clothing I yes. own a lot of pink clothing if there's like a dress and they have it in every color I'm getting pink <laughs> yep but that is kind of like I was actually shopping the other day and I was picking up all these pink things and I was like fall is coming it's time yeah. to transition to tan. To tan. I have to stop with the pink. Um, well, Sam, thank you so, yes, so, much so much for coming onto the podcast. This was truly one of the most insightful episodes for I me. I envision people taking notes with their little yes. notepads. Yes. Yeah. Um, and we super, super appreciate you taking the time to come on and chat with us. So why don't you go ahead and plug yourself and tell people where they can find you after they listen. Of course. I would love to connect with you all. Um, so you can find me on my website at samvanderwhelan.com. I know we'll share the link so you have the crazy spelling with that. I'm also at samvanderwhelan on Instagram. I'm probably most active there in terms of social. And if you love podcasts, obviously I would love for you to come over and listen to my podcast on your terms um, where I share a new episode every single Monday full of legal tips and behind the scenes business building advice Um, and I talk a lot about evergreen marketing over there as well and if today like uh, sparked the idea for you that you need to get some of the stuff done but you're not really sure where to start I have a free legal workshop for you that's super helpful that will just go over this in a little bit more detail I talk also about like website policies I talk more about business insurance in there and even in scope of practice for those of you who provide services um so i'll i'll share the link with you guys below so you can take my free legal workshop thank you for listening to this week's episode of check your aesthetic podcast if you enjoyed this episode and want more follow us on instagram at check your aesthetic and tiktok at check your aesthetic podcast If you want to support our show, text the link to this episode to a friend, share when you listen to CYA on your story, or leave a positive rating or review wherever you're listening to this episode. If you want to hear more from us, be sure to hit the follow button on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'll talk to you next Monday. See ya!